Have you ever thought of buying a franchise or currently own one or many? If so, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria, the podcast created and hosted by franchise attorney Josh Brown for the sole purpose of helping people find success through franchising. Welcome to another episode of Franchise Euphoria, the podcast to help buyers, owners, and expansion-minded businesses find success through franchising. Today, I am super excited to have Maritza Para on the show. Maritza is an author, speaker, and trainer who's passionate about helping people build their six-figure list with prospects who want what you uniquely offer. Recently honored as one of the top women in e-commerce by We Magazine, seen on stages such as Dan Kennedy, the Canada Marketing Summit, Maritza teaches heart-centered experts how to build a list of raving fans and convert them into happy buyers. She's a weekly syndicated columnist with her plugged-in business and technology column. Known as the List Building Queen, Maritza subscribers, clients, and students have had amazing success featured on the Jimmy Kimmel Show, Town and & Country, and Cosmota- Cosmopolitan magazines, to name a few. You may have heard of the concept of list building, yet if you aren't profiting wildly from your own list, you haven't heard what Maritza shares on the subject. It's the very reason why Oprah's producers called her to ask her for an interview. Hello, Maritza, and welcome to the show. Hey, Josh. I am so excited to be here and talk about profiting with your own list community. Well, I love that. That is such a, I mean, such a key component to doing uh, business um, in today's age. And as you know, I mean, my audience is made up of dreamers and owners and expansion-minded businesses, and they all want to know, you know, how do you build up your list? How do you continue to generate the, not only the customers, but the line of customers so that you can continue to be profitable. But before we dive into all of that, you have such an interesting history as an entrepreneur, and you really are a classic example in my mind of someone who has turned passions into profits. And I think you first did so with horses. Um, and I'd love for you to just tell us about that and kind of tell us about your, your, your journey to where you are today. Yes, I've been crazy about horses since I was a kid. And actually, when I was in art class in elementary school, they would say, okay, make something. And I'd always make an ashtray shaped like a horseshoe, and nobody smoked in my family. So it was just an obsession that I had. And finally, my parents you know, got a couple of horses for me and my brother. I started learning a type of riding called dressage, which is kind of making the horses dance. And for his birthday one day, we didn't have anything to give him, so we decided to do a horse show and make the horses dance. And we had two other friends who also had their horses, so we, I came up with a choreographed routine, put it to music, did the show, and one of my dad's friends was on the board of the South Texas Kidney Foundation, and he was like, we have a fundraiser coming up, you kids need to come and perform what you just did for the fundraiser. 
We went to the fundraiser, local ce celebrities were there, and we were invited to do another show. And this went on for a while, and I wasn't getting paid. But one day, my little teenage brain said, what if I asked for money? And an attorney's wife came to me after we had just performed and said, my husband's having a birthday soon. Can you bring the horses and can you do a horse show for his birthday party? And I said, yes, and it's going to cost you this much. And she, without blinking, said, absolutely, that's great. How do you want to be paid? So in that moment, my whole world kind of opened up and I said, wow, if one person will say yes to purchasing this horse show experience, more people will do the same. So I made it my mission to learn how to do marketing so that I could market my show. And we ended up traveling all over the United States. We did things for the New York Racing Association, for Columbia Pictures. I got to meet Matt Damon, Penelope Cruz, and did a horse show for a film rap party uh, for a film they did. And I rode in downtown Chicago for a PR company. I mean, it did ads and all kinds of amazing stuff and got paid for it. Um, and really, that was how I learned about marketing, direct market, direct response marketing happened when the guys in my show, my brother and the two other guys, they all ended up marrying their girlfriends and the girlfriends, now wives, didn't want them being in the circus. They wanted them home with their, you know, growing families. So I was having a really hard time convincing them to, you know, do the traveling and everything. So I had to learn direct response marketing so that I could market my show to local area meeting planners. So that was a huge blessing. I just, huge. That's when I learned about Dan Kennedy. And during that time, financially, it was kind of difficult for me because they didn't want to travel while I was building up the, the horse show uh, for the local meeting planners. And I did have a small list of subscribers from my horse website. And at the time, it was around, I think, a little more than 800 people who were subscribers. The great thing is that I did communicate with them consistently. I would send them an a email, a newsletter once a week, and I had a bright idea. I said, what if I try to sell them something? Up to this point, I've only given them something. So I asked them, I surveyed them, I asked them, and then I offered them a six DVD set, exactly what the majority of them had said they wanted. And I made $29,746. And my entire life shifted in that moment because I didn't have to ride a horse. I didn't have to negotiate with the guys to see if they would come and ride. I didn't have to practice or choreograph anything. It was totally leveraged income. And that's when my journey to become, you know, list building queen really began. Well, so how many years ago was that? That was in 2004. Wow. So you were early because I don't even, I mean, was anybody else really building lists in 2004? You know, there were people, there were people in the late 90s. Gosh. Lists. Well, yeah, those are just like my heroes. Um, but list building has evolved so much since then. It used to be really easy to get people into your list community. Now you have to be a lot more thoughtful and respectful because our email inboxes are really precious to each of us. So it, it's going to take a lot more to get people into your list community and to continue having a relationship with them. But it is still 
incredibly profitable. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, obviously every list building has been around forever, but the online list building and the digital age and doing all that, I mean, that's just a whole whole different animal, like you said, because people are bombarded right now with everybody trying to get them get them on a list. I mean, I think that your your background, I mean, it's almost like it just fell right to you. I mean, it was so it's so perfect for you. Um, and you've gotten such a, I mean, your experience with the horses is, is, is incredible. Um, before you were building that list, how were you getting the message out so that you were people from outside of your local area were hearing, they were hearing about you? Was it word of mouth mostly, or were you doing direct marketing efforts offline as well? When we were traveling around the country, it was totally word of mouth. I didn't do any advertising at all. When the guys didn't want to travel anymore, the guys in the show, then I went to my local uh, visitor and convention bureau here in San Antonio. And thankfully, we're a big tour and convention city, huge. So at that time, the convention and visitors bureau, they would give away their lists. It was so awesome. Now you got to pay for them, but it's still (laughs) totally worth it. So they had a list of all of the planned conventions and tour groups that were coming to the city, you know, years in advance, because people plan that with a a lot of advance notice. And they had the meeting planner's name, the size of the group that was coming, all kinds of great details. So I learned direct response marketing. I created a full color four page brochure. And later on, I, I also created a DVD with, you know, why the meeting planners would want to choose us. And my whole spiel was, you'll be a guest at your own event. It'll be an event that nobody will ever forget. You can get whatever you want. um, And it's going to be the easiest thing you ever did. And I would just send that out like hotcakes, all of the ones that were within the size of group that I could serve. Well, so let's break this down because I, you know, when I talk about list building, I get excited. Obviously, you get excited. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there, though, that still fully don't understand it um, and don't understand the value of it. So and and I'm, I can't wait to just break this down with you over this interview. So let's just start from the very beginning on. Can you explain about direct marketing, about a list, um, it, you know, and sort of your your top five reasons why it it's so important and probably the most important thing that a uh, a franchise owner, a small business owner, can do and actually need to do very very early on. Perfect. So I, I want to make a little bit of a differentiation because um, it, list building is not lead generation. Lead generation is basically getting prospects interested into your products, information, or service, or inquiring into them, or if it's a store, like a brick and mortar store, you know, walking into your store. And list building differs because list building is building a list of your ideal prospects and getting them to desire, you wanna get them not interested, but to desire to stay in touch with you and get into what I call your virtual home which is your list database. So a lot of people think that list building is, hey, on social media, how many Twitter followers do I have? Or how many YouTube subscribers do we have? How many Facebook fan people do we have? That is not list building. That is a great place for lead generation. But list building is getting them into your database where you can communicate with them via email. 
And, um, it, and then you can leverage virtual communication in a smart way to build that relationship, build that know, like, and trust factor, and bring in new sales and increase repeat sales as well. So, and, and you want to do it with direct response type marketing, which is where you're actually wanting to get, you know, you're doing calls to action. You're telling them, click this link in the email that gets them to this page to watch this video, to purchase this product. So it's marketing that elicits a response from people. Yeah. And, 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 and marketing that is, is obviously, I mean, it's content driven, but it's content that is specific to a group of people that that is interesting to it's something they want to hear. It's almost, you know, inviting people to you who are of like minded or like interests, as opposed to bombarding them with stuff that they don't really care about. Right. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And a lot of people do that list engagement. Once people are on their, in their list community and I call it a community on purpose because a lot of people call it your list and they kind of treat it like, data, like pixels, like numbers. And numbers, they are very important. You want to measure how many people are opting in, which means getting into your list community. But these are people with hopes, with dreams, with fears. They need you. That's why they got on your list. And so how are you going to serve them? And always keep in mind that they are real people and not just data. So how do you, I mean, do you help people? And, and I imagine you do, because obviously any good list, you have to have an identified target market. You have to have your avatar. You got to have that, that who you're going after, right? I mean, it's got to be so that you know, I mean, you can measure it and uh, be more effective with it. I mean, how do you, it's very, very easy, I find, to say, and you hear everybody say it, uh, target market avatar, and we all try to do it. I think it's hard sometimes um, the implementation of that. And I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a, my own personal example for this. So, you know, as, as a franchise attorney and working with a lot of people in and around the franchise space, it's easy for me to target, you know, franchisors, right? I mean, cause I can just target those type of businesses. But if you're, if I'm targeting franchise buyers, people who are considering buying a franchise, well, we know that a lot of people who buy franchises are have experience in, you know, mid-level management or have been corporate executives or have been individuals who have been recently laid off or it's becoming uh, popular now for for college grads to get in there as a way for, you know, their parents will 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 buy the franchise, teach them a lot of the the business lessons and then essentially hand it off to them. But I guess my question is so I don't think of that, though, as as defining my target market, because I think the challenge is trying to figure out where do those people hang out? In other words, how do I how do you, how do you reach those people? And I got to think you'd be really, really uh, good at, at, at helping somebody narrow that down so that they're not so that they're not too broad in their scope, but also not too narrow. And they're doing things in such a way that is going to attract people. Uh, the right people to their business. So for you in this, you definitely want to have different messaging for franchisees 
and franchisors for sure with a list building offer. And one of the things that you want to use that people, most people do not use in their list building efforts is what I call the power of story. And the power of story, so, so the foundation of your list building is what you mentioned, the customer avatar. Getting ideal prospect clarity. What are those hopes? What are those dreams? The guy who just got laid off, the guy who has been in management and is sick of having a boss and really wants to be his own boss and you know, being a franchisor would be the perfect thing. The second part of that list building foundation would be the power of stories. So you being able to weave in stories about some of your clients who have been franchisors. And I, I go through a process um, with all of my students and clients that's based on Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Um, because that is, if, if a movie is good, if a story is good, if even a religion, I mean, I hope I don't offend anyone, but they all go through the steps of Joseph Campbell's hero stories. That is what we as humans are, we are wired to respond to those steps. And so I've created the hero's journey for entrepreneurs. And what you want to do is go through those steps and identify what, where in the hero in this case would be a franchisor. What are those stories that you can pull out from some of the franchisors you've worked with and use that in your marketing? So you're not just talking about the ideal prospect, the, the avatar, you're also telling stories that are gonna engage those people and are gonna get them excited and get them dreaming bigger and get them kind of hooked on your stuff. Um, I, I'm loving that. I think that's the best answer that I've, I've, I've heard of that question from this perspective because, um, I love that uh, the the power of the story to me, and and I sort of just had kind of an aha moment um, this year about that, where um, I think so many people get caught up with the tactical side of list building, and not once did you mention sort of the tactic. You know, not once did you mention you know Mailchimp, Aweber, Infusionsoft, all the software engines that are going to be the ones that are going to. Um, be part of that list, but you know, the toolbook. And and I find I found with myself, and I think a lot of people that I've talked to, uh, Maritza, they, they they just sort of skip over what you just highlighted as the most important part. And I think it's huge. And that is, what is your story, or what is the story that is going to matter to the people that you want to attract? I mean, I was just meeting with somebody the other day, um, and he's in the financial services business, and. Um, we were talking about uh, podcasting or whatever, and he was he was fascinated by it as well. And he said, I just don't he goes, I, there, there's so many, you know, uh, compliance issues and stuff. I just can't do a podcast. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. I said, it's all about a story. It's all about you taking what you do, your sort of expertise. Nobody wants to listen to your podcast if you're talking about, you know, specifics, the technicalities about, you know, the stock market and all that kind of stuff. Maybe some people would. But what's going to really be attractive is how do you take that and tell a story that's going to engage the people that you want to attract? Exactly. Yes. You know, I, I have a student um, from last year that and I, Dan Kennedy himself has been on my case. He's like, I will take your book to Entrepreneur Press, to my publishers. You got to write this book. 
about the entrepreneur's journey and how to uncover your marketing stories. So I started the process of really digging in last year and I got a private client and she is a coach and she had only sold $197 coaching sessions. And you went to her website and it was like interchangeable with every other coaches out there, every other coach for women. And so we dug in, I went through the process of the entrepreneur's journey with her, we pulled out her story and it's not an easy process because you gotta get vulnerable, you gotta get real, and you gotta get to the heart of your story. When she did that, we created, I've got a template for it, and we like filled in the blanks with her specific story. She did a teleseminar, she made two sales for $4,000 each, no problem. And so that was just the beginning. That was the first time out of the gate with a very small list because she had not been successful at list building because there was nothing of her on the website at all. Um, and so that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so huge. And this has been my entire life with the horses. I started breeding horses when I was young and I became like a little horse trader. <laughs> I was being in Texas as a cowgirl, that was perfect. But I noticed that when I would tell stories about each horse, when I would tell stories about the history of the type of breed that I, uh, that I have, that I breed, um, I would always make the sale a lot easier. Later with, um, I actually had a bath and beauty products business for a while that developed because my grandmother moved here in the 90s. And one day I had, I was doing a baby shower for a friend and my grandmother said, oh, you know, uh, let's make some soaps because that's what my mom used to do in Latin America. Let's make some soaps. So we made these little baby booty soaps. I made them for everyone as little favors. The women freaked out and were like, oh my God, where do we buy these? And of course I said, hey, a business. So I created <laughs> a business called Generations Natural Beauty and I took it to the Dallas Market Center. And I was so excited. I was like, this is great. It was bath, you know, uh, soaps, a few lotions, body scrubs, and that kind of thing. It was a disaster. I didn't sell a whole lot. And I came home with my tail between my legs. And I said, Grandma, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to make this successful. So we were talking about it. And she started telling me the stories of the past generations and how they lived on this hacienda and how they would create the products. And I the light bulb went off and I said, oh my gosh, I need to use stories. So I started talking about the Latin American generations uh, and I did a photo shoot with my grandmother and my nieces and nephews so that it showed the generations, the traditions being passed down. For each product, I created a little story that came attached to the product. I used black and white photos from my grandmother's albums. So we had a coffee body scrub and my mom was a beauty queen in Colombia, and she has this really ridiculous photo with a giant beauty queen crown and a scepter and everything. So I like used that on the label for the body scrub. I went back to the Dallas Market Center. Not only did I sell all my inventory, I sold more than what I had. So on my way back to San Antonio, I had to have ingredients FedExed to be able to fulfill all the orders. And the third time I went, I ended up raising my prices and I still sold out. So to me, story has been such a part of my life. I've always been a storyteller. And this is the thing that most entrepreneurs are not doing. 
I God, that's 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 a that's fantastic. I mean, I think that um, I think that really, you know, the story is the why. You know, as like Simon Sinek would say, you know, start with why. The story is really your why, and that's what nobody tells. Um, and and I think it's hard because, like you said, you do have to get vulnerable. And there is a big distinction between your story and your bio. And I think sometimes people get confused with that because it's very easy as a business. Uh, as a business owner to go, okay, our story is this, or if it's, you know, a professional service or if it's you, it's, Oh, but my background is this. I went to this college. I did this. Yes. That's interesting. That's great that nobody cares. And I, and I say that from this perspective is that's not a story. I think so. I, I think the story and this, this took me a long time to realize, but I'm, I'm <laughs> it's only been recently, I think, but I've really, uh, you know, started to realize, okay. I mean, your story is not just, about you necessarily but it's about you and how that relates to ultimately what you're offering you know and 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 tells the why and tells the benefit and kind of gives the I don't, I don't even know the the emotion um uh, to it gives people a reason to want to take part in what you're doing absolutely it's the thing that can hold people's attention and stories can also be you know, metaphors for things that you want to drive home. They can be like teaching stories that give somebody an aha. And I've actually used my own stories in my marketing, um, my family stories, my client stories, and not only that, ancient Buddhist stories to be able to hold people's attention and to get them involved in my sales process. So once you have the story down, so, okay, they work with you. You get a, a great story that 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 tells where they're coming from, that tells everything that we've been talking about, and that that is perfect for that business. What's the next step? So the next step is weaving your story into. So the first thing is the customer avatar. The second part is the story. The third part is creating your list building gift, and that's that free offer that's gonna get people wanting to become part of your list community. So your customer avatar and your story need to be woven into that gift somehow. So, and hopefully now people will create gifts that are um, what I call reverse engineered from their paid products and services. Because a lot of people just slap up any old free gift. No, you don't wanna do that. Um, I have a great client uh, who is the dating guru for women over 50, the online dating guru, and her free offer was an ebook. And it was a giant ebook. I don't, I think it was like a hundred pages or something crazy like that. And she had, once people got into her list community, um, an offer for a whole home study course for, you know, how to date safely online as a woman over 50. So we went in and changed that. We said, oh, wow, you're giving them so much. You can't give people a giant freebie anymore. It's got to be pow, quick, an amazing golden nugget that gives them an immediate aha or some kind of thing that they can use immediately, but they can consume very quickly. Because if they people were saving the ebook to their hard drive saying, Oh, I don't need to buy that thing. I got this giant ebook with all the stuff in it and I need to get to that first before I actually buy. So we changed it to something really short yet. It still had the story woven in there and then it made the offer for something a lot less than her giant, uh, product home study course. It was a 
we developed it, the confidence building series. And we thought, you know, what are, what do women who just got divorced um, need? And they're going to put themselves out there again. And they're over 50. They need confidence. So it was a low entry level product that got buying behavior. And then after that, they pre-qualified themselves by buying and they got an opportunity for a strategy session with Lisa or one of her dating consultants. And, um, and those strategy sessions were really sales calls to sell people who, you know, were a good fit for her, um, her group dating programs. And it changed everything for her. And we put her story in there, which is she was a woman over 50 who had gotten divorced and had to get, had to figure it out. So how do you, you know, that, that's a really big challenge from uh, when I talk to people about that is figuring out just what you talked about, you know, how do you, when you're putting together the actual giveaway, you know, how do you give away something of total value that's going to make somebody want to give their email and name and become a part of something, you know, without obviously giving away the whole thing, um, unless maybe that's your strategy. You want to give away the whole thing, but you're right. I think it's almost become, I've, I've noticed where it's almost like, you know, the larger it is, the more value it is. And that's not it at all for me. If I'm looking at something, the most valuable thing to me is if it can be explained to me in about five seconds exactly. so, that I, so that I get it. But how do you do that? I mean, that's, it's, it's such a challenge. I guess you just really have to understand the core of the offering or the core of the business. Yes. Well, first understand the core of what you're actually selling because the free offer will be a piece, a golden nugget of what you're actually selling so that it is totally related and it reverse engineers the process to okay, I got this free gift. Oh, that makes perfect sense to take this next step and get the whole thing. So what you have to do really is look at that product that you want to sell and make sure that you, and you'd be perfect at this because you're a systems guy. Break it down into a system. What are those steps that the people need to do to be able to get that outcome that the product is promising? And then get the best golden nugget, that thing that you know, will help give them an instant result. And sometimes you have to, you have to uh, say, you know what, this may seem really simple to you, but it's a game changer. And then tell a story of how it really changed the game for one of your clients so that they take the golden nuggets seriously. There is that case sometimes. Well, so, so you've got, so you got the avatar, you've got the story, now you've got the perfect sort of giveaway, and now you've got the email, you've got the information, and then here's the big problem <laughs> for, for a lot of people is what do I do next? How do I continuously engage this list? How do, but, but in a way that's going to be meaningful to them, not annoying to them, because as we all know, we're all bombarded with emails um, and communications. And how then do you take what you now have accomplished, which is definitely an accomplishment in getting somebody's information and how do you, take care with it and, 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 and develop that relationship, I guess, even more. And, and let me, let me specify this a little bit. Um, everybody does. I mean, I know the tactical side of, it, I think most people do of, okay, now you get them into sort of an auto responder email. You start mailing, you start emailing, you know, new blogs, new videos. So many people are doing that right now that it's almost a numbing kind of a, I mean, when I get stuff, I just get stuff all the time and it's, it's, 
it's uh, I, I've been trying to pay attention to, OK, what makes me want to click on this versus not want to click on that? But to me, that's such a big, big challenge is after the fact, now that you've gotten their information, how do you take good care with it and really develop the relationship? Because by developing the relationship, that's what's going to ultimately lead to the sale. Well, you kind of skipped one really important step. Okay. Um, so you have the the customer avatar, number two, the power story, then the list building gift. We, we went to kind of engagement, but before engagement is your opt-in pages. And one of the most, like the ugly stepchild of opt-in pages and marketing funnels is the thank you page. The thank you page, it's usually, oh, thanks for subscribing. And you know, nothing more than that. The thank you page should be something where you're actually celebrating, where you're giving more value, where you're managing the expectations of your new subscribers. You're keeping them excited. And um, so the thank you page, ideally, it will have a thank you video on it. Just so, especially if you're a business where they're building a relationship with you, then you definitely want to be on the, the thank you page video. And so this is where you're going to keep them excited. Let them know basically how often you're going to be communicating with them. And what you were saying about the autoresponders, I usually have one autoresponder set up per opt-in page because, yeah, people used to do like seven days for the next seven days, uh, every other day for like two weeks. Oh my gosh, people don't like that. You have to really respect their email inboxes and be a lot more thoughtful and people they won't respond to that kind of thing. So on the thank you page, you want to keep them excited, keep them engaged, do a one time only special offer. That's a real one, not a fake one, because a lot of people put something on there saying, Hey, you got the special offer and it's going to be half off right now. And then I, I sometimes go back and I'm like, okay, it was supposed to expire and it's the same exact price. So right there, the trust is totally gone. And now there's all kinds of plugins you can use that, can help you do a real one-time only special offer that actually expires and changes. Um, and so the, the op ultimate opt-in pages is what I call them. And the thank you page is part of that, keeping them excited, keeping them engaged, getting that buying behavior as much as you possibly can. And then with the engagement, don't email people unless you have a really good reason. And hopefully you have a really good reason once a week. <laughs> that would be great. But make sure that your content is great. Um, I sometimes will go without emailing my list for like 10 days if I don't really have something good. And when it gets to that point, I'm like, oh gosh, okay, I got to sit down and actually write something good or get Tracy, one of my content creators, you know, I have to get on her like, okay, we need something amazing. Let's get on this and we, and we create something great. But a lot of people are kind of, I guess, phoning it in. Yeah, no, I find that a lot. I mean, and you can kind of tell. I mean, I. Yes. I so how how do you with 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 content creation? I I used to have. Uh, it was about about a year 
year ago, I had somebody uh, who would do, you know, contact cre- content creation uh, for me, and uh, she was fantastic. And, you know, obviously I would oversee all of that. But I found for myself, I become much more engaged in what I'm doing, and I pay a lot more attention if I'm actually creating a lot of the content. Now, that's a big time suck. It's a big investment. Um, and so it's very, very valuable. But but what do you what, what do you recommend on that front? I mean, in, in terms of it's it's so much time. People are busy running their businesses, doing everything else. How do you balance everything? So I actually usually never speak my content. I mean, never write my content. I speak it. I um, I use something called Copy Talk. And so it's a little service where you have the speed dial on your phone and every time I get a great idea, which is always either at the gym or when I'm riding one of my horses or in the most inconvenient time where I don't have a pen and paper to actually write it down, I speed dial the number and I you know, start blabbing. And then uh, a transcription shows up in about, usually it's about six hours, 12 hours. I have no idea who does it, but it's obviously real people. Um, and that way, I've got a bunch of little transcriptions of these great ideas that I had at the most inopportune moments that if I didn't have the pen and paper, I would totally forget them later. Um, and either Tracy can go and grab them and kind of work on that, or I can go and grab them and do a little light editing, and there you can have some great content. But to do a 500-word article takes about two and a half minutes speaking. So it's Oh, so much easier than sitting in front of your computer with that angry blinking cursor going, are you going to write something good? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and I speaking of, you know, almost taking this full circle, what I found too with just in, in terms of the kind of content um, is that it's, it's, it's very valuable to when you're creating the content to tell a story at the start to get people engaged. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so true. And it's more fun. I mean, Everyone loves to tell stories or to listen to stories. It, I mean, it, we learn so much more through story than through just facts. And there's that old marketing saying, facts tell, stories sell. Well, so after we create these ultimate opt-in pages and, and, ta- and do that, and then we start focusing on the engagement, is that, what do you do at that point? In other words, in the list building process, is that do you then just sort of refine all those or are there other steps? Well, you're always going to be wanting to refine. And I don't know how many ultimate opt-in pages I have out there. I actually have some from, you know, 2005 that still when we go in and look, we're like, wow, this thing has still got legs. Um, so you, but you always want to be adding at different offers and testing and tweaking, okay, which headline is going to do better and making sure also that you're making offers to your existing list community. One of the big issues that I see with some entrepreneurs is that they get so focused on the list building that they forget about the engagement and offers, which those are step five, engagement and offers um, together. Because if you're just engaging you have a hobby. You don't have a business. If you're making offers and making sales, then you have a real business. So you want to make sure to do that and to test different things that your list wants. And the great thing with growing your list community is that these tests become more profitable the bigger you grow your list. Um, so lately, one of the things that I've been testing with my community is sending them to pre-recorded webinars. So there are webinars where I have some, you know, great content, and it's usually 
a couple of golden nuggets and then I'm selling something, one of my downloadable courses or a course that I'm going to go through. And I'm in loving those because I created it once as a video, then we uploaded it to the webinar service and people get the feeling of having being live because they can actually ask questions and you can either answer from your iPhone or your Android or whatever, or I have one of my team members, Jewel, who actually goes and when we know that there's a pre-recorded webinar going on right now, she's manning that email and getting back to people right away. So do you, but do you test this out in terms of you try something and then do you see what the response is or do you tell your audience, Hey, I'm really kind of testing this thing out. Let me know what you think of these webinars and let me know, do you enjoy going to these webinars? I mean, are you getting that kind of active feedback or are you kind of coming up with things, testing it and then continuing to do what works and stopping what's not working? You know, a few times I've told them, hey, this is going to be a test. Let me know what you think. But usually I just do it and then I look at the numbers and the numbers never lie. The numbers will tell you, hey, this is working or they will tell you, no, it's not working. Or sometimes we'll divide the list into different, different. uh, So one one part of the list will get this and the other part of the list will get this other thing. So, for example, one will get the pre-recorded live webinar and one will get a live webinar with me actually on it. And that actually happened last Monday. Monday? Yeah, Monday. And uh, surprisingly, I thought for sure, hey, I'm going to convert a lot better with me being on the phone live on the webinar. And it converted better on the pre-recorded webinar. So I actually like that outcome. Yeah. But my little ego, of course, thought the that the live me was going to be better. <laughs> well, so... How do you work with businesses then? I mean, do you uh, do you have your own packages where you say, okay, um, this is going to be a six-month package where we go A to Z on, on list building? Is it a month-to-month? Is it an hourly? How do you set things up with, with your clients? So what my favorite thing to do is uh, do these huge courses where I, I kind of like group coaching and then – at the end of that, it's eight weeks long. At the end of that, they fly out to Texas, and I have a guest house that I um, that I totally gutted and remodeled, and so it's a workshop space. So I'll do my own events here in my home, and it's two days long, and we you know do hot seats with some of the people, and which are always eye opening for everyone. And then um, at the event. I'll sell them into a something with a lot more access and intimacy and, you know, specific help from me um, into one of those programs. And then I also do um, the like VIP days where people fly out for a couple of days and we map out their funnels. We craft their story. We get it all down. And then Tracy, uh, one of my assistants, comes out. And she's here the whole time, and she takes what we created on the the wall because I have like whiteboard paint on my wall, and we just create the whole thing. She translates that from the wall into cyberspace onto their site. Um, so those are the main ways that that I work. And every once in a while, um, I'll do that where it's a VIP day. 
if the person's like in Australia and it's like a really long way for them to fly, we do virtual VIP days. So I love that. It's kind of like, so you, you kind of, you start off more with the uh, group of virtual coaching and then that leads to um, some higher end individual coaching. Uh, but it all, it, it reminded me as you were, as you were talking about that, about Dan Miller and, and the sanctuary that he has, he always has people um, to his property um, and does those kind of live events, uh, which I think are really powerful. Um, oh, I love it so much. I thought about doing one at a hotel once, and then I was like, why am I going to do that? I'd like, I love, I'm in my home. And actually, I, I started a meetup, uh, gosh, I think it was 2006. Um, and that was the whole reason Oprah called me, because I started a meetup around Law of Attraction, and I found a space here in San Antonio, before I had my workshop space, I found a great space, an art gallery that would let me use the space as long as people would have coffee and eat something in the cafe. And I created my own little events. And I actually monetized that without intending, that wasn't the intention for starting it. I had actually gotten divorced and uh, started having panic attacks and ugh. so I got really into law of attraction and this self-development and meditation so I started the group for that reason and people started asking me for hey that visualization you led us through last time where can I get it and I was like well I don't have any products well and so that's fascinating and obviously before before I let you go I have to hear the Oprah story <laughs> well that was the the beginning of it um the People started, one person came to my meetup the first time, and so it was three people, me, my ex-husband, and the one person who actually was an attendee, and I was like, I don't care. I need to talk about this stuff because it's changed my life. It healed my relationship with my ex-husband. It got me over the panic attacks. I feel totally re-empowered, so I really have got to talk about this stuff. So I kept doing them once a week, and it just grew, like, virally, and the awesome thing is that I already knew the power of the list. So before people would come in, I had basically my opt-in page on paper. And so it said, hey, you're going to get this thing if you sign up to my list community. And at the bottom, you have to have on something like that, just like you have an on an opt-in page that, hey, you can unsubscribe at any time. you got to have that. Um, and so I started slowly building that list. And because of the tribe that I'd created around Law of Attraction and all that, in 2007 was when that movie The Secret came out about the Law of Attraction. Oh, yeah. And she interviewed a bunch of the you know head honcho gurus who were in the movie. And she wanted to interview somebody who was kind of the leader of the regular people. And her producers did a little bit of online research. And I came up as one of the gurus of the regular people. So one day I was, it was actually right before I was leaving to go to my uh, Law of Attraction meetup group. It was on a Wednesday. And my phone is usually never in the cradle. It's never charged. And I was standing right next to it. It rang. And I looked down and it said, Oprah. I mean, Harpo, Harpo. And I actually took a photo of it and I use it in my speeches. Um, and I remember my life was going so amazing at the time. I looked down and I said, you know, yeah, that could happen. I answered. It was Courtney Cole, one of her producers. And she just started asking me all kinds of questions about my group, about my people, how they're using it. And we had such a great conversation. She said, Oprah's going to want to interview you. And that's how it happened. It was crazy. I mean, that's amazing. You know, you know, you're doing something right when Oprah comes calling. 
Yeah, because how many people try to get on her show, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, the, the thing to think about is when you have the hearts, the, the souls, when you have the ears, the eyes of your tribe community, of your list community, you can profit and you can get in front of a lot of publicity that otherwise you would not be able to get in front of. Well, and things that you never thought of, right? I mean, things things come your way when you're in the right space, when you're you're, you're living, you know, the way you should be, and in terms of you know living out your passions and your dreams and going after things, things just seem to happen. I just I, I hear that over and over again. Now, I, I gotta admit, most people don't say Oprah called them, but you know, good things do happen. <laughs> Um, you know, thank you, Maritza, so much. I, I we've been talking for quite some time. It's been so so enjoyable, and um, you know, thank you for for sharing everything about list building and your experiences. And um, you know, I'd love for you to just let people know where where they can find you, learn more about what you do, but perhaps most importantly, listen to your rockin' version of "I Will Survive." I love that. Yeah, uh, my my. I was a professional singer in a past life, and I actually still do sometimes here in San Antonio for uh, a nonprofit. If you go to my website, maritzaparra.com, that's M-A-R-I-T-Z-A-P-A-R-R-A.com, you can actually go to, I think it's the About page. And if you kind of scroll down there, you'll see pictures of the horses and all that stuff, and there will be a, a promotional, like, trying to look sexy picture of me with the with the link to the to the song there it's really fun you can't not dance when you hear it we had amazing professional salsa players on that track so it was great and um if you want to you can actually opt in there at the top of the page um and i also have free listbuildingbonus.com where there's seven ways to build your list that are working right now well, that is fantastic. I look forward to staying in touch and thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, Nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode. Music